Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. Every, well, it's been eight weeks since I've been here and it's been just looking down a camera to see all your lovely faces. Oh, it's fantastic. Welcome to the tabernacle. This is what I'm calling it. I just feel this is fantastic. We just pull the curtain over and look at it. What is God's presence is here with us. Now, this morning I have a message which I have titled Subverted Expectations. Subverted expectations. Now, we want us to all put our thinking caps on. We're going to pretend for a bit. For the boys, you're going to become Yaakov, okay? And the ladies, you can become Esther, okay? The year is 587 BC. Yaakov and Esther are 10 years old, living in the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at this time in 587 BC is surrounded by the Babylonian armies. For years and years, Jerusalem has suffered as the Babylonians day by day pierce through the walls. And then one fateful day, the Babylonian army led by the dreaded King Nebuchadnezzar smashes through the walls, burns down Jerusalem, destroys the precious temple. And Yaakov and Esther are taken to the land of Babylon. And for the next 50 years, you live there in Babylon as an exile. But all is not lost. One day, a king by the name of Cyrus, Cyrus of Persia, he takes over from the Babylonians. World order is changed. And Cyrus makes a declaration. Hey, You exiles, you Jews who are living here, guess what? You can go home. And after 50 years of living in exile, Yaakov and Esther make this journey back home. It's not easy. Jerusalem is destroyed. The city is in rubble. But slowly, slowly, you begin to rebuild. Start to see this this picture of what life could look like. And then one day, this glorious day where the foundation stone of the temple is laid down. And Yaakov and Esther, as old people, remember back to this temple. And remember, oh, what would Solomon's temple look like? The glory of it. And there, while everyone is rejoicing and praising God, you start to weep. For you remember what is lost. Now that story comes from the book of Ezra, which might put up there on the screen. So Ezra chapter 3, this is really about subverted expectations. Ezra chapter 3, from verse 10 it says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites with symbols took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by King David. Of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, 
because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid by many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. That's why I call this message subverted expectations. Because for the older priests and older Levites, they had this vision of what they expected Jerusalem to look like. And if we go to the screen here, there's two really famous, actually there's three really famous prophets who prophesize about the return from exile. The first one is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, this is a very, very, very famous passage, which gets quoted quite a lot. Jeremiah 29, it says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. This is everyone's favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And you will call on me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Or Jeremiah 31, we're told is sing with joy for Jacob, shout. For the foremost of the nations, make your praises heard and say to the Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Say, I'll bring them back from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind, the lame, expected mothers, women and labor. A great throng will return. It's this sort of expectation here that something great will happen. We're here in exile, the land of the north, and it's a hot tip in biblical geography. The land of the north is always the place of enemies. Here they are, away from God's presence, and the prophets here are saying, you're going to come back. So you have these great expectations. Or another one here, the prophet Isaiah. We read here from Isaiah 43. I won't read out the whole verse for the sake of time. But we see here, He's talking about, I'm going to make a path through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. That's Exodus language. Hey, this time in Babylon, it's going to be like a new Exodus. You're going to return. Verse 19, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Or Isaiah 51 verse 9 it says here, awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days of gone. It's the Exodus. Was it not you who cut Rahab? That's symbolic of Pharaoh. That's a, that's a mythological way of describing Pharaoh. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea? That's the Exodus moment. The waters of the great deep who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross. Those the Lord has rescued will return. They'll enter Zion with singing everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. I have a very simple question for you all. If you were living in Babylon for, and it gets a bit confusing because some of them live for 50 years and some of them for the full 70 years. If you were living there and you'd heard these prophecies from Jeremiah and Isaiah, what would you expect Jerusalem to be like when you got back? What would you expect? Don't be shy. Call out. What would your expectations be? Beautiful. 
Yeah. He expects something greater. Particularly Isaiah, he's, he's using this language of the Exodus. The Exodus is the foundation of the Israelite faith. He's going to, I'm going to do something even better. You thought the first Exodus was great. I'm going to do something even more. And then reality sets in. And this morning, I, I can't compare our situation to 6th century Jewish exiles. This is a bit observed expectations. We're back here after three months of being in lockdown and there's a sense of joy and rightfully so. So we're excited. We want to praise God. We want to sing praises to him. Well, people at the front here, you guys can't, but you get the idea. But there's also a sense of something's missing here. The fact that we have to wear masks, the fact that they have to QR code in there are changes right now. And for some of us, we don't care about the changes. All we care is we want to be back. We are joyful because we're here, yeah? Amen. Praise God. But perhaps there's some of you today, a sense of, well, I haven't heard any weeping yet. That's a sense of, there's, there's a loss. We've lost something in the past and that's forgotten. And I think that's perfectly natural. And that's why today I want to just acknowledge that for us, that this is a day of rejoicing. Like that time in Ezra, the people, they didn't care. They're like, hey, guess what? The fact that we've laid this foundation stone, the fact that this stone is here means that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and others that prophesied we would return, it has happened. We don't care. We, we don't care how Pathetic this thing is compared to Solomon's grand, magnificent temple. What we care about is the fact that God came through on his promises. Amen to that? Amen. And what I find fascinating is that this temple that was built in the time of Ezra, it should make us look for a greater temple. A temple that really, on the outside, wasn't that impressive. A temple that on the outside wasn't adorned in fine clothes or riches. Wasn't born in a palace, but born in a manger to a lowly family. See, our God is a God of subverting expectations. But the fact that we can sit here this morning, it's a fulfillment of God's promises that all the nations would come together and worship him. Now, what's a cool little Bible fact? I like to drop some nerding Bible facts on you all so you know, all become little Bible scholars and learn Greek and Hebrew. Uh, maybe not that far. But what's cool is if you read the book of Kings and Chronicles and you read Ezra and, and Nehemiah, the, the same month that the temples were built on, they use the same materials. They even get them from the same region, Tyre and Sidon. All of this is set up this expectation that this is going to be like Solomon's temple. That's the point. As the reader, we're expecting, oh, yeah, yeah, something great's going to come from this. Then you read, oh, this foundation stone isn't that Great. 
And in a sense, that, that's the point. And that's what I love about the Christian faith, is that God continually subverts our expectations. And this is what I love about this space. This is not what we would think of as a church. If you were to get a, someone to draw a traditional church building, how would you draw it? Steeple. Why do we do that? It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I've been reading Eugene Peterson's book, The Pastor, a brilliant book. Well, I guess if you're a pastor, it's fantastic. But if you're not, it's still a brilliant, just his journey. And when Eugene Peterson started, uh, it was a Presbyterian church back in 1956 in this new community. The only space I had was his basement. And for about two years, about 100 people met in this basement. And then as they got more funding, they were looking for land to to buy and to build this church. Anyway, they're going through Midwestern America, and what do the church buildings look like there? What we think of as churches. You know, these steeples that look for four pillars and traditional. Anyway, Eugene asked his daughter, what do you think of this church? And she says, that's not a church. Because for her mind, church was in the basement of their family home. It's for where God's people gathered. And this morning, regardless of where we have to wear masks, whether we can sing or not, we are here as God's people. And that's the important part. Each and every one of us are temples where we're living stones. And each of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that means that it doesn't matter even if we have to stay online forever, if we have to wear masks forever, if we can never sing, if the government never allows us, it doesn't matter because we are here together. And if you remember a few weeks ago, I introduced us to the concept of the eighth day. We gather each Sunday to celebrate the new life Jesus has given us. We come together to remember the great salvation each and every one of us has received. Another one of my favorite books, it's a book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is up there on the screen, the great hall of faith, as they call it. And the author of Hebrews, he gives us just this wonderful Wonderful picture. I just love it. Have you, have you ever read The Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah, brilliant book. Brilliant, brilliant book. I always I picture The Pilgrim's Progress when I, when I read these verses from Hebrews. And it tells us here all of these people were still living by faith when they died. And he's just referred to Abraham and Sarah. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. A beautiful picture. We're pilgrims. That's how we should see life is that yeah, okay, the church is important. Having a lovely worship space like this is important. Having good sound, having good lighting, that all is wonderful. But at the end of the day, this isn't the end goal. The end goal isn't to come to the center jewel every Sunday. The end goal is this heavenly country. Like Abraham and Sarah, we are pilgrims on the way. And exactly like Ezra's temple that was built, the second temple, it didn't seem all that impressive. 
Abraham and Sarah, they didn't see the promises of God in their lifetime, but they knew something greater was coming. Heavenly city, the heavenly place. That's what we have to look forward to. This is why our God subverts expectations. Because our expectations are for things to be perfect, things to be bright and shiny, and exactly how we want them to be. But God doesn't operate in that space. In Isaiah chapter 51.9, it's a brilliant chapter. I encourage you all to read it, book of Isaiah. But in Isaiah 51 verse 9, it says, Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Now I have a question for you all. Question, it's and not a trick one, it'll be on the screen. How is God's arm revealed? How do we see God's arm revealed? Anyone have a guess? Don't be shy. You'll get used to this. I ask questions. I like audience participation, so don't be shy. How do we see God's arm revealed? How is Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled? These people? Jesus, yes. There's only two answers at Sunday school, God or Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. See, arm in the ancient world was you got yourself ready for battle. You equipped yourself. You armed yourself. He was ready to pick up his sword to fight against this great beast. You know how the arm of God is revealed? A little baby boy born in Bethlehem. You know how true victory is found? Jesus' arms hanging on the cross. If you read Isaiah 51, you wouldn't have guessed that. Like This is how God's victory is seen. This is how his arm is revealed. And friends, that's the same God we worship. A God who continues to subvert expectations. And what I love about that picture of the foundation stone being laid, it gives us this, what Bible commentators called the kingdom of God, it's a now, but not yet. See, we see the now, not yet. We see the victory. We can sing praises. God has won for us Jesus dying on the cross and rising, coming back to life. That's our victory. We can rejoice. But there's also weeping right now. That's the reality. Jesus' full victory, Jesus' rule and reign has not happened. And that's the tension we live in. And that's why I love that picture, the, the weeping of the people. It's probably for a whole bunch of different reasons, for how pathetic this, this temple is going to be, for everything that's been lost. But I think, too, it speaks of life as it is right now. Times of wonderful rejoicing. This is a day of rejoicing, friends. Also, too, for some of us, there's times of weeping, times of lamenting. I keep going back and back again. Our God is a God who subverts expectations. And always remember, if the foundation stone was the symbol of God's promises being fulfilled in the book of Ezra, our, our symbol that we can focus on, it's the empty tomb. It's that reminder, Jesus has won. But the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, 
hasn't come down yet. Thanks for friends. If COVID has crippled our numbers, I'm actually surprised. I'm surprised there's so many people here. It's just fantastic. So perhaps COVID hasn't crippled our numbers, but it has made temporary inconveniences. It's unfortunately divided us into vaccinated, unvaccinated. It's created all of these social issues and tensions. But the fact is, this morning, the fact that we're gathered here together, this is a foretaste of what the kingdom will be like. All the nations gathered together to worship God in a place with no more pain, no more tears, and no more suffering. Amen. And let me pray for us. God, we just thank you for who you are. You are truly the God that subverts our expectations. We have our plans. We have our ways. We have things that we would like done. But God, we just see in you just how you do things so radically different. That's revealed for us on the cross. So thank you that this morning your spirit is here with us, that we are gathered here as a foretaste of what worshipping you will look like when the kingdom comes. So just pray your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.